I really was seeking the Lord to figure out, since we had the conference last week, we skipped a Torah portion. And I debated about doing that one, but uh, the Lord kept bringing me back to this week's. So you can extrapolate from last week what you can. Doesn't mean he won't give me something at a later date to go back and refer to, but we'll see. I was talking to a few people earlier about this message today, and there's so much I could have gone into. How many read the Parsha this week? Okay. So for those that didn't read it and for those that did read it, you know that chapter 28 deals with the priestly garments, even including all the jewels and gems that would go into the ephod. Um, and of course, only two of those gems, particularly one, is really interesting to Batya, and that would be the diamonds and the sapphires. <laughs> if you hadn't noticed, sapphire is her favorite gemstone. So it goes through all of that. It talks about the, the oil poured on Aaron's head to consecrate him. And in verse chapter 29, it actually talks about consecrating the priests and all the offerings that went into that consecration. And then chapter 30, the few verses that end this parasha, the first uh, ten verses, talks about the incense altar and the building of it, the dimensions of it, the whole thing, and what was, how the incense was burned, which actually kind of ties into what we're going to talk about today because the incense, the fragrance would go up. Interesting point about this week's portion is we begin in the last two verses of chapter 28 or 27. It's one of those interesting situations where they broke up from last week to this week. They broke them up at that point, which actually allows me to talk about what we're going to look at today. Those two verses are going to be our focus today. So I let you know about the garments. I let you know about the consecration. I let you know about the incense altar. But now we're going to go back to the beginning of the parsha. Again, Tetzaveh is our parsha, and it means you command. And if we look at the first verse, which is verse 20 in chapter 27, it says, V'yata Tetzaveh et b'nei Yisrael v'yikhu elecha shemen zait zach katit also, you are to command B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, that they are to bring to you olive oil beaten for the light, pure olive oil beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn continually. Ner Tamid literally means eternal light. Nearly every synagogue has a Ner Tamid. I say nearly because there might be a few that don't. We have a Ner Tamid right in the center of our ark. It's often been associated with the menorah that stood in front of the temple in Jerusalem. But it's also been associated with the incense altar that is talked about in chapter 30 that stood in front of the ark, which was kept burning continually. Unfortunately, in our case, Ours gets turned off every week. So 
Ours is not a true ner tamid. It has to be turned off to relocate our ark, and it's not burning until we come back. The sages interpreted the ner tamid as a symbol of God's eternal and imminent presence in our communities and in our lives. Essentially, it is a symbol of the eternal nature of our covenant with God. Originally, as we read through this parasha and others, the Ner Tamid was originally an oil lamp. It was just like the menorah standing outside the temple, like I said before. But in modern times, most of them are powered by either gas or electric light bulbs. I discovered that there's actually one, at least one, Ner Tamid that is powered by solar power. It's actually at a reconstructionist synagogue in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. How they get enough power in Bethesda, I don't know, but it works for them. But the ideal thing is the Ner Tamid is never extinguished or turned off. So there's many ideas about what it actually symbolizes. Like I said before, you had the menorah in front of the temple, you had the incense altar in front of the ark. In verse 21, we read that in the tent of meeting, outside the curtain, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons will set it in, set it in order to burn from evening to morning before Adonai. It will be a statute forever throughout their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So Aaron and his sons are assigned with that responsibility. They attend to the Ner Tamid. There's an interesting verb that we read there. Laha'alot. It doesn't actually mean to light. Like you would... In the Shabbat candle blessing, we have lehadlik. They're not the same word. But this literally means to cause, to rise up, or to elevate the Ner Tamid. So, every evening, Aaron would go into the Mishkan, into the temple, the tabernacle, and he'll light the seven lights of the menorah so that they burn through the night. In doing this, he elevates the Ner Tamid. He elevates the eternal light. So that poses this question. Does that mean that the light of the Ner Tamid is the same as the menorah, meaning it's not a perpetual flame, but one that burns out every day? Rashi asks this question on that. He, asks, he says this unusual verb, la'alot, he says that one should deal with the flame and tend it so that it rises on its own. So what Rashi's saying is that Aaron would not actually have to relight the Ner Tamid. He would only have to go and nurture it, trim the wick, add more oil, just to keep it rising up. But not that it burns all out completely out and he relights it, but it is in, indeed an everlasting flame, always rising up. Just as the incense was always rising up, so was the flame of the Ner Tamid. So 
it's not about lighting the lamp. It's about nurturing something that already exists, keeping it burning. It's about renewing something of great importance. So that was his purpose. He was to go in there and he was to keep it going. The Ner Tamid is a symbol of the eternal nature of our covenant with God. The relationship that is always with us. Even if it's not always acknowledged, it's between us and God, this covenant. Just like the Ner Tamid needs to be tended regularly and frequently, our relationship with God needs the same attention regularly and frequently so that it's at its best. And who doesn't want to be at the, have the best relationship with God possible? In Pesikta de Rav Kahana, which is the, uh, an Aramaic, Aramaic collection of Midrashim, there's a story about Rabbi Aha. And he, it's in reference to the Ner Tamid. He says, Israel is the olive tree, and God is the lamp. When olive from the olive tree is when oil from the olive tree is put into the lamp, then the two together give light as one unity. So the Holy One will say to Israel, My children, since my light is your light and your light is my light, let us go together, you and I, and give light to Zion. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anybody? In John chapter 8, Yeshua spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He also says in chapter 9, verse 5, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So if you take that and put it together, Yeshua is our Ner Tamid. He is our eternal light. He remains constant and unending. As long as we continue to tend to the, his spirit in us. He has never changed. He will never change. He can never change. He, can, he can't change. He's constant. He's unending. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's up to us to be renewed. We need to, as Aaron and his sons did, tend to the eternal light, to the Ner Tamid. We have to go and renew our spirits. Rav Shaul says it like this in Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another. After all, you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on a new self that is being renewed in knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. There is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, savage, slave and free, but Messiah is all and in all. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self-corrupted the old self, corrupted by its deceitful desires, by renewed, being renewed in the spirit by your mind, 
spirit of your mind, rather, and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, we're not just supposed to stand by idly and just do nothing. We're supposed to be renewing the spirit in us, renewing Yeshua in us every day so that we rise up, that he rises up through us. There's a song by a group called Steeler's Wheel. Anybody familiar with them? Oh, Mouse would probably be raising his hand right now. I'm, I'm surprised. surprised Jerry Lynn didn't raise her hand. Steeler's Wheel, this song was written by uh, Gerald Rafferty and Joe Egan. Does that help? Okay. And it goes like this. Well, I'm not going to try to sing it, by the way. I could. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair, and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering what it is I should do. It's so hard to keep this smile from my face. Losing control. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Just like the light of the menorah, and even if you, if you think about the Hanukkah, it's easier to picture this. The middle candle represents the servant, which we know for us is Messiah. Representing, and as we represent him, guess what? We need to be right there, stuck in the middle with Messiah. Because guess what? I don't know about you, but for me, I know. Sometimes there's a bunch of clowns and jokers around me, either because of their unbelief or just simply that they're operating in ignorance. The scoffers, the ones that don't want to believe, the self-proclaimed atheists, etc., 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 they don't want to hear what I'm saying when it comes to the Lord. In three of the gospel accounts, we read what Yeshua had to say about this. They're almost identical in, in their wording, but I'm going to read all three. Matthew put it this way in chapter 10. If the household is worthy, let your shalom come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your shalom return to you. And whoever will not receive you or listen to your words as you leave that house or that town, shake the dust off your feet. Amen, I tell you. It will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Mark put it this way in chapter 6. He was also telling them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. And whatever place will not receive you or listen to you, as you leave from there, shake the dust off the bottom of your feet as a witness against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. And in Luke chapter 9, whatever house you enter, stay there and depart from there. And whoever does not receive you when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet as a witness against them. So they went out and began traveling throughout the villages, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Where are you? I want to be stuck in the middle with Yeshua. I want to be that light that keeps going up 
I want to raise his light. I want to be a ne'er to meet in this life as he is our ne'er to meet spiritually. I want to be that one that says, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time here because Yeshua said, shake the dust off your feet. You're done with him. And, it's a wit- and he said in these two, two of these particular cha- choices, uh, verses, he says that it will be a witness against them when you do that. And so they will be condemned by their rejecting, not of you, not of them, but of him. But we need to shine bright for him. And we, we just read in uh, the 20th verse of our, in our parasha, there was pure olive oil beaten for the light. That takes work. As a matter of fact, it was only the very first drop of oil that was worthy to be used for the menorah. That shows its purity and how important it was. Just imagine that. I mean, have anybody ever tried to squeeze an olive? It's, you know what? It's very difficult to get any oil out of an olive. But that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to be able to get it out. And we can apply that same principle to each and every one of us. We need to learn the right way. The Torah becomes a guiding light in our lives. If we come with a pure heart, Torah will become our light. In this world where we live now, we need the Torah to guide us in making the right decisions. And we know that we have the living Torah in Yeshua. If we look and see what he said and what he did, that's what we should say and do. Remember the beaten oil? It should remind us not to give up. Even when we've been beaten up, even when attacks have come upon us, the very obstacles that we face as we go and speak to people about salvation that Yeshua brings, about the redemption that he brings. The purpose of this oil was, once again, the ha'alot ner tamid, to raise up the eternal light. We should always seek out what's good and seek for the hope that will cause darkness to flee from our lives. It's interesting. You know, I, I jokingly said in the past on, t- on different occasions that while Steve is there with the worship team at our office rehearsing, that he must have gone into my office and looked at my notes because it's interesting how he comes up with things, uh, the, the, the songs. And what's interesting about today's choice of songs, our Haftarah portion was not Isaiah 60. But I'm going to go back to that because he started the worship time with Isaiah 60. It says, Arise, shine. Fear light has come. How did he know where I was going today? How did he know what the Lord was telling me? Because we were both seeking him. And I'm getting a sign here. I think someone else picked that song. There you go. So we were there. The glory of Adonai has risen on you. For behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples. Wow, that sounds gloomy. Ah, 
I should keep reading. But Adonai will rise upon you and his glory appear over you. Nations will come to your light. Kings to the brilliance of your rising. Lift up your eyes and look all around you. They all gather. They come to you. Your sons will come from far away. Your daughters carried on the hip. Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will throb and swell with joy. For the abundance of the sea will be turned over to you. The wealth of nations will come to you. Raise up the eternal light. And he will shine on you and through you. Let's look back at chapter 59 for a second. Right at the end. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says Adonai. My Ruach, who is on you, and my words that I put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your offspring or from the mouth of your children's offspring from now on and forever. That's a promise. That's a promise, yes, it was made to the children of Israel. But if you've been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, guess what? That promise is something you can claim too, that I can claim too, that we can all claim because it is something that's imputed to those who have the righteousness of God. So, the Ha'alot Ner Tamid. Raise up the eternal light. So keep the light burning. Don't let it go out and then try to restart it. That's the true purpose. That's the true essence of a Ner Tamid. It keeps burning. Those of us who are married know that we have to keep nurturing that flame between our spouses and us in order to keep it fresh, to keep that fire burning in our marriages too. It's the same principle. We don't let the fire go out because it's very difficult to reignite that fire once it goes out in a relationship. There's a purpose for our covenant with God. It's to strive to bring the light of Yeshua into the world. In order to make our world a better place by working with our Creator to bring help to bring justice and righteousness into this world we live in. We're not on our own. We are not on our own. But we are stuck in the middle with Yeshua. We are the servant. And we're here doing his purpose. And we're keeping, we want to keep that fire burning in us so that we can show that fire out from us. The Ner Tamid, I don't know how many, peop- how many of you have seen some of the pictures that some of the synagogues have, near to me, some of them are very fancy and ornate, gorgeous to look at. But guess what? If you just look at how beautiful it is, you miss the point. Because the near to me, even though it's in most synagogues, it stays burning 24-7, 365.25. Guess what? Most of the time it's in an empty building. Nobody's there to see it. It's there being seen only a fraction of the time, but it's still burning in an empty building. So the beauty of it is wonderful, but that's not the point of it. 
And we miss the point if we just look at how gorgeous it is. All of us, individually and collectively, must make an effort every day to enlighten and improve the world we live in. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we do thank you that you, Yeshua, are our Ner Tamid. And it's an honor to be stuck in the middle with you. It's an honor to be co-workers with you. Give us wisdom, understanding, and give us the spirit of witnessing for you. When we don't have the words, give us the words. When we have a little fear or trepidation, give us the boldness to speak of you, to tell others of you, to bring your light to a dark world. I pray that you would let our light shine so brightly they will see you as our light. That they will not just look at us and think it's all about us, but they will look beyond that and see there's something special. He has the love of Yeshua. She has the light of Yeshua. I want that. That's our prayer, Lord, that you would cause others to want what we have because we so brightly shine for you that we draw them instead of repelling them. We pray that you would seek out those that we need to speak to, that we need to witness to, that we need to share with and bring them to us. That we can share of your love, your mercy, your grace. And even the greatest of all sinners, let them know that they're safe with us. And that there is forgiveness from their sin through Yeshua. Help us, Lord, to reach the lost. Help us, Lord, to show your grace and favor in our community, in our world. Bless you, Lord, in Yeshua's name.